Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Good morning, world. Shelley Shearer here, and welcome to the show. All right. Now, I literally just had to put into practice one of my own high-functioning habits uh, that I've implemented into my, my daily routine because I started podcasting, guys, and I just kept yawning. As soon as that happens, because I've had a great night's sleep, it simply means that I've been sitting too long, blood and oxygen are not moving, and I needed to get up and move around, which you should be doing anyway. So I thought I'll just start this whole series off with me needing to literally step into one of my own habits in order to be here for you in the best way I can be, because no one wants to listen to me yawn for half an hour. That would be awful. So today we're going to start the uh, series on high-functioning habits and how to get started. This might seem really hard for you to think, but I just, I know I need better habits, but I'm really not sure how to implement them. And guys, there are tons of books out there. If you've got an Audible subscription, an Amazon subscription, you just can Google good habits or habits of any sort. And we all come up. There are some best-selling authors out there that have fantastic information on habits. And I'm going to draw on some of them today, actually. Um, James Clear, 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 uh, who wrote Atomic Habits. You know, I really enjoy the audio version of that. And I do have the hard copy as well. And when I was coming home from our family's uh, vacation home a couple of weeks back, and I was making notes for this podcast and getting ready for it, I was listening and reading at the same time so I could highlight I just, me personally, I really just enjoy the audio better. Other people loved reading the book. I sometimes found it a bit dry. I've had some feedback from other people. They didn't find it that way at all. So you know what, guys? It really is just about finding the person you want to hear the message from. And there's not a lot new under the sun, just so you know that. There's a lot of us that teach this type of thinking. And it's just a matter of whether it resonates with how you want to approach things and whether... I mean, there are slight variations on how to create good habits. For me, I'm going to talk about sort of what works for me and the things I think you need to bring forefront to your mind. And then once you've made a decision, I always consider myself a starting point, a stepping stone, uh, kind of get you out of the gate, get you thinking outside the box. Excuse me. That's how I always view myself. I could be totally wrong on that one, but that's how I tend to view myself. Then when you've got some of the basics down, we can send you out to some of these higher level speakers and coaches and trainers that bring a lot of psychology into implementing habits, you know, reward versus punishment, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of information out there, but let's start at the basics, shall we? Start at the beginning. Now, if you want to follow along with some of this, there is some of this, not all of it, but just kind of bullet points in the ebook on my website, livingwellwithshell.com, download the free ebook. 
little more layman's terms. We're going to talk about examples more now and working through things. And I'm going to ask you for something. I need you to send me questions and I will help answer them. That is absolutely one of the things I want you to take away from this is that, excuse me, guys, was yawning. Now I'm this, uh, is that this is something we're going to do together. Okay. And there's going to be times when I'm not going to give you the exact answer you're looking for in this podcast. And you're going to be like, but what about the specifics of this? Then just email me guys. I'm reachable all over the place. Living well with shell at gmail.com, Instagram, Facebook, just living well with shell guys. (laughs) I'm it's, it's honestly, it's not that hard to find me. So let's talk about inclination. It actually is one of the first chapters in my book. And the ebook is very tiny, guys. <clears throat> it just sort of touches on this. I'm going to get into a little bit more today. Why do I talk about inclination and identity so much? I'm a big one about mindset. You know, what you, what you think manifests itself. Now, if you're my regular listeners and you're part of the uh, sort of coulda, woulda, shoulda crew of people that uh, have been with me for the last couple of years, you're going to know that I speak quite pointedly and quite often on changing your mind understanding, you know, why you do what you do, uh, and mindset. I mean, I believe in the law of attraction. Uh, although I'm a Christian, I still believe we are energetic beings and energy attracts energy like attracts like, and I have to look at my own life and say, you know what? I've attracted some, some just amazingness into my life over the years. And I've lived long enough to see the patterns. I'm not 21 anymore. I'm turning 55 next month. Yes. It's scary. I've been doing this podcast for four years now and coming this June. Uh, And just as a segue, thank you all for listening and being here with me. It has been the most amazing journey and we are going to go so much further now. So why is mindset so important? Because what you think becomes. So if you think you can't do something, you're right. And if you think you can, you're also right. That premise is very, very important when discussing having great habits. What you do 80% of the time is a good habit in my world. There are some people out there that are always striving. I don't believe in perfection. It is not reality. What you do is you decide and you do. You don't try, you do. Doesn't mean you're not going to fail. Doesn't mean that you qualify it with, I'm failing, but I'm trying. No, no, you are, or you aren't. So these are some of the basics I want you to kind of get cemented in your head as we go through this season, uh, through this series. So like I say, how do we get good habits? First, you need to decide who you want to be. You might think, but I know who I am and this is who I am and I'm already who I am and I can't change that. No, that's actually not psychologically actually even true. I was listening to a lady speak last week and I, her quote came into my head, but it wasn't in my notes, so I don't have her name, but I will try and give her credit when I write this up later. She did the percentages. Matter of fact, it's on. Oh, I can look it up on my Instagram. Hey, guys. It was on my Instagram page, actually, about how the percentages that create happiness. Circumstances are only 10%. Now, those of you that are really struggling right now due to the circumstances around the world might think, well, Shelly, you're just wrong. But actually, the science proves that I'm not. The, the, The numbers are there. The question is, are you willing to accept that? Are you willing to change your mind? I'm very big on that one and find out if this is true or do you simply want to disagree with me? It is 100% your choice. 
They say DNA makes up 40% of it. And habits of thought are 50%. Marcy Shimoff, that's Shimoff, Shimoff, something along those lines. You can find her at Marcy Shimoff, S-H-I-M-O-F-F. And number three can influence number two with the right practice. So she clearly believes that practicing things in your mind. I'm also a big believer in clearing energetic blocks in the body, uh, whether through emotion code or body code work or or neural uh, linguistics, that sort of thing. We have the ability to do so much with our physical body based on our mind. In fact, if you always often wonder why doctors or psychologists and everything will get a child that's having a flip out to hold their breath, it's because the second you inhale and hold your breath, your parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system all of a sudden like, suddenly goes, hey, whoa, what's happening here? I control breathing. You don't control breathing. I'm the one in control of breathing. You're not breathing. You need to be breathing. So <laughs> you could be like in the state of anxiety or something, but all of a sudden I think it's the... Uh, Mingula? I got that, I forgot that term right. I got to do a little more research before I get on my podcast. Um, at the base of the brain anyways, the little, the little uh, uh, organ that's at the base of the brain here, gland, it immediately changes and starts releasing different chemicals into your body. And it's how, that's why we, they tell kids, you know, when kids are having a literal meltdown, and sometimes even kids will do this to themselves to try and prove a point, they'll hold their breath and because until they get their way, just let them hold their breath, guys. They'll pass out and the body will take over breathing for them again, but they'll be calmer again. So it was really interesting, this uh, speaker that mentioned this about the base of the skull and the fact that the second you hold your breath, you send your body into and your whole system going, hey, whoa, no, that's not how that's supposed to work. I hope that, that something in that little story just related to you. It's, you know, it's kind of cute, but it's also an actual truth in the fact that that is how easy it is to influence your thoughts, your mind, your body. You just try holding your breath and see how quickly your body starts yelling at you, screaming at you, what you doing? That's my job. That's not your job. It's, I find the, the science of it kind of fascinating. So you need to decide what, who you want to be. And the reason for that is in moments where emotions are high or anxiety is high, even if it means you have to hold your breath and count to three, you have to have had made a decision beforehand about the person that you want to be that way. And then it's practice, of course, but that way, when you're in the situation, you can remind yourself, I am going to be the type of person that reacts this way to situations like this. Okay. And when you reiterate that in your mind over and over again, it changes your mindset. However, understanding inclination in your identity to me is really, really important. So you might need to decide, you know, who you want to be. You might have to ask yourself questions as you're going through things, you know, is this serving me? I'm a really big one for that one. Is this serving me? Um, I'm a compulsive eater sometimes. I'm a binger. I have amazing habits and I'm healthy 80%, if not higher, 90% really of the time, but I have my setbacks and they are so few and far between in comparison to my younger life that I celebrate, you know, the control I do have. And when I eat popcorn for dinner and then follow it by white chocolate while watching a movie, the whole bag, yep, not going to feel great the next day, but I get up. 
I drink a lot of water. I go for a walk and say, okay, well, that was yesterday. That's not who I am. And we're not going to repeat that again today. Because it's very, very easy. Um, James Clear talks about this in his book, Atomic Habits, how easy it is to slide back into our old behaviors. So although I'm a firm believer that anything you do 80% of the time, but consistently is a good habit, we also need to accept and understand how easy it is when you have made a decision and then keep backsliding over and over again and you don't truly commit how slippery that, that slope is. Now, here's, here's a good example that he uses in his book. You need to be the person that you are going to be. You're not trying to be that person. You're not, I guess, you know, it kind of contradicts some teachings from one of my business Sherpas who says, you know, I'm in the process of becoming a non-smoker. Whereas I kind of like the attitude, if you've decided to quit smoking and someone offers you a cigarette, do you say, no thanks, I'm quitting or trying to quit? Or do you say, no, thank you, <clears throat> I'm not a smoker? This was the Facebook, or the, sorry, this was the Instagram post today. Do you see, do you see the difference in those, two, um, in those two analogies? Excuse me, in those two descriptions? One, you are living, I am a non-smoker. You're not qualifying, you're not justifying, you are not telling yourself or anyone else around you any stories about why that would or would not be true. You have made a decision to quit smoking, therefore your answer now is, thank you, no, I'm a non-smoker. Pretty easy. That's a tough one for me with drinking. It's something that I'm trying to reduce in my life and I've done a pretty good job of it over the last uh, six, uh, five, six months, but man, COVID, this last few weeks has been a bit of a slide. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, but you know what? It has a consequence for me. I have acute fibromyalgia and arthritis. So, you know, my hips are swollen and they're sore and my hands are sore in the morning and my feet are sore. That alcohol is just hundred percent sugar and it just goes straight to the joints for inflammation. So, you know what? It isn't just so much that I want to be someone that I don't necessarily want to be a non-drinker, but I do want to have a control in my life. That is a weekend special occasion thing only, not something that's in my daily life. And I have to hold fast to that image in my head of not being someone that drinks every day. Because I've made a decision to be healthy and as high functioning with my fibromyalgia as possible. I made that decision many years ago, which is why I'm incredibly high functioning with someone with my illness. Because I made a choice to be that person. Then all the things surrounding that decision, I implement in my life. Things that support me being that person. Okay? So I talked about the fact that you have to decide who you want to be. You have to ask yourself, is this serving me? Very important. It's, it's one of my basics actually for getting people started on new habits is, is this serving me? Am I the person that I, that I want to be? Is this, you know, the person I want to be? And does it match my principles and values? If you can get some of those things very aligned, you're probably going to have a whole lot easier time of implementing new habits. Now, one of the things I learned years ago in coaching with health and wellness and food and such, because I was, I just, it's always been a love of mine. I'm a bit of a health nut is I don't want you focusing on the bad habits and getting them out of your life. We're going to focus on the habits that we need to, to have to be higher functioning, to be the person that you want to be, and you will find the other stuff just sort of falls off because there's not enough time for all the habits. 
So let's focus on good habits and let the bad ones just fall away. And they will. It's like eating better. If you've made up your mind that you're going to be healthier, and you can keep with that for three months, that's usually for the average person. Now, I joke about my ability to have a habit being a superpower, but for the average person, it's three months. And sometimes it's six. Okay, so th these things don't happen overnight, guys. Life isn't about getting to the next um, goal or the next accomplishment. It's about the journey. And when you get there, we want to celebrate those successes and then set some new goals and move forward. And it's not like you, I want you putting any part of your life on hold at all during this process. In other words, you're not saying things to yourself like, I'll get to that when this, or when I accomplish this, then that. No, no, no. I did that for far too long in my life. I had a girlfriend bring it to my attention many years ago that I used to talk when I was raising my son that when I turned 40, you know, my life would begin because he'd be raised. I'd be done. He'd be 18, 19, whatever it is. And I never even realized that I used that sort of vocabulary, which, by the way, is very defeating and also very limiting. It means that there's a lot of the journey there that I could have and probably was missing because I seem to have this future end goal that life was going to change, begin, and all be different when I'm 40. Uh, yeah, no. Now, that's not to say I didn't do lots. I did. You know, I've ran a couple of businesses. I've I've, I've had a lot going on in my life and I, I've had many adventures and I'm very, very fortunate. But the fact that that was still something that I said regularly enough that a friend picked up on it and, and commented that later in life I lost that, like I just didn't act that way anymore, that's a really good thing. That's a really, really good thing, guys. Okay, so what were we talking about? So we celebrate our successes and we make sure that it's part of our principles and values. So we don't remove bad habits. We implement good ones and watch the bad stuff fall away. So when I was doing coaching for health, uh, back in the days when I was with a company called Vysalis, I remember someone asking me, I'm eating cottage cheese. And I'm like, you just told me you don't like cottage cheese. She goes, I hate it. She says, why are you eating it? She goes, because it was on the list of recommended foods. And I, I kind of laughed and said, oh, honey, no, 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 no. You're going to have trouble sticking to a diet plan. Uh, and when I say diet plan, I mean a new way of eating, eating things you don't like. Because now you're back to my attitude of when this is over. So instead of this being a lifestyle change, you're just trying to do something short term to lose weight, to feel better. But you're going to gain the weight all back because you haven't made lifestyle changes that are permanent. And they're not serving you. And they're not matching your principles and values. Or clearly you would implement them long term and you would go do the research or find a coach to say, hey, I need choices for food. Like there's lots of great health coaches out there. Um, I am not one of them. This is just something I did in the past, guys. And, and I have a certificate in um, in nutrition and weight management. But that's not my focus. I coach when I'm coaching clients, guys, people like you, it is for a vibrant life overcome limiting beliefs, create high-functioning habits, and to have vibrancy in your life. Did I say that already? Sorry. Uh, not living in regret. Sorry. Those are the four things that I, that is my, that's my wheelhouse. Okay. So out of those four things, let's talk about limiting beliefs for a second. Because understanding your own inclination identity, it's really important to do a little bit of a dumpster dive into your past. We tell ourselves so many stories, so many stories, and so many of them, guys, they just aren't true. They are limiting beliefs that we have picked up through our lives. 
You need to look back into your childhood and see if something's triggering you. Now, I know some people just shake their head and go, oh my gosh, everyone wants to do this. You know what? It, it is important. I know this has become sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a, a, a hot button, you know? in the last sort of decade in self-improvement and inspiration and motivation and coaching and that sort of thing. But the bottom line is, unfortunately, we bring so much with us from those early childhood years that we don't even remember. And yet we hang on to things and they color everything that we do. So let me give you one of my examples. And I probably have mentioned this before and and see what we can dig around for you. So again, like I say, big thing here, guys, during this series that we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, email me with your questions, your comments, and I can see what, what I can do about addressing some very specifics for you. Now, I didn't have a sister till I was four, so I was an only child until the age of four. And it is night and day when you see the pictures before and after Angie was born. I'm a happy princess. And then I'm a sullen child and I never liked my sister. It was a very hard thing for me to deal with as an adult um, to turn that relationship around, to find ways to love and accept her because there was no part of me that loved and accept her, accepted her as a child. She was an infringement on my little world. I lost my mother the day she was born. I don't really have a strong mother-daughter relationship with my mom. I feel I'm a daddy's girl for starters, but even above, even before this, but after that, it was like Angie was hers, and that's who she mothered, and I, she, I just lived in the house. Whether that's real or not is irrelevant. That is my view of it. That is my emotional response to my childhood. So what does that translate to? I'm not worthy of love. Very, very simple. These are why you want to make these types of connections. If you cannot figure out what triggers you all the time, you're going to have a tougher time with good habits. Now, here's something very personal from just these last couple days, because speaking of what triggers me, my husband and I just about had the blowout of all blowouts over the long weekend. Now, for my regular listeners, you know that I'm married to a fairly high-functioning, basically alcoholic. He's a very heavy drinker. He has got a heart of gold. And he treats me wonderfully, supports everything I do. It is a disease. His father had it. He does not deal with it, but I'm not willing to leave him over it. Okay. But it is something that we struggle with in our marriage and have for, for 20 years, 19 years. I get up in the morning and he had left the man cave, quote unquote, the man cave, his outbuilding. The door is open because he had had too much to drink and he was getting everybody home. And usually my husband it doesn't matter how much he has to drink. He gets the yard shut down and makes sure everyone's home safe down the neighborhood. They were social distancing out by my fi our fire pit that night. I had gone to bed. What I woke up with was, it had been his birthday three days early as well. I am done. I am done with the drinking and the chores not getting done. We, had, we have massive power washing and cleanup around these yards that I feel, I feel, should have been done a month ago. And he's like, I'll get to him when I get to him. I was like, well, you're not getting to them when you drink late and excessively, sleep till 10, get up, work. Then the weekend hits and the buddies are all back in our yard drinking again by two or three. So you've done a whole hour's worth of yard work. Yeah, that's not working for me. And I start to lose my mind. However, because I have been working hard at changing 
my triggers this past year, especially with my husband, instead of flipping a lid at him, I immediately went to the two girlfriends that I have set up as we have this little trio of um, accountability and support. I've mentioned these, these ladies before in previous podcasts. And I said, guys, you're the ones that see me through this. Get me off this ledge. My one girlfriend, who actually is a professional coach in the corporate world, she says, Shelly, I can see what happened here right out of the gate, but I wasn't seeing it. He triggered my need for security. It is a very, very fundamental part of my core being, whether part of it is the abandonment I feel from my mother at the age four. I was also disowned at 17, 18 and kicked out of the house. Uh, I was a single mom. You can kind of see the pattern here, right? I have abandonment issues. <laughs> Not so much in my life anymore, really. I have worked through those. I've got my own counseling, my own coaches, worked through my own processes. But those things sometimes still come up. So not just abandonment, but I also, my home is my security. That's why I've always had one. I've always worked at having one. So I built a custom-built home. And um, when I got sick and we had to sell it, we came into another home in the same neighborhood that had a rental uh, suite in it so that we could still stay with our yards and our friends. That security is very important to me. What I realized is when I looked outside in the morning and saw the door open, was that he had put my security at risk. That's really what I was upset about. Yes, I'm upset the chores weren't getting done and the drinking was, but he usually pulls it together eventually. But unfortunately, before he could pull it together and not have me flip a lid, I woke up to, oh my gosh, the, the house is open. Now, why that's an issue is we've had a couple break-ins in our neighborhood and COVID-19, unfortunately, the thieves are still, you know, acting like assholes. Oh, excuse me, bad language. Might have to comment, put that on this particular podcast. Bad language ahead. Uh, and there is stuff in that man cave, all his expensive fishing gear. And we've had a big insurance claim a number of years ago. So all these things are running through my head. Someone broke in and just cleaned us out in, in a winter about three years ago. So like, there's not going, no going back to the insurance company to say, hey, we left the door open this time, completely unlocked, and someone came in and ripped us off. Yeah, there'd be no claim there. That threatening of my security is what set me off. Those are the things you need to look for. When I talk about triggers, what's triggering you? Now, say you have a terrible need to be loved and accepted and maybe to be the good guy. I dealt with this with my mom the other day. She, my dad needs to be in a home right now. It's getting really very awful. She will not consent to this. So my sister and I sat her down over the long weekend and had a really kind of heart to heart about mom. We need to ask you something pretty personal. What is it about you, you that's this is affecting? And sure enough, we finally got it out of her. Yeah, she feels like, well, what's my point of being then if I'm not looking after him or or whatever? So she's got this martyrdom thing going on that it's her responsibility to look after daddy. Problem is her health has declined, her memory, she can't look after him anymore. And she has no life and is very, very stressed and unhappy. And it's like a gerbil wheel of cause and effect. She is holding on to these beliefs from, from her marriage, but also I, as I got older, I realized where my mom's attitudes come from. She has abandonment issues as well from, or need to be loved because she didn't feel that from her parents. All the attention went to her younger sister as well. It's kind of interesting, right? You caught that correlation that our lives are just a mirror of her life. She never did what she was never able to grow beyond it and become aware of her behavior. 
very sad. I'm just grateful that I have and I can stop that process in this generation. I don't want it repeating itself over and over again. I have friends that have grown children living at home and they're still waiting on them hand and foot. And they hadn't even realized they'd fallen into this pattern. And you kind of have to ask yourself, what are you getting out of it? Because you're teaching them nothing. Having this new generation of kids between 18 and 25 that are going out into the world and don't have a freaking clue how to do anything, parents, that is a huge disservice to them. But a lot of parents are doing it because it's feeding some need inside of them. So just like my comments about, oh, well, my son is, you know, when he's raised and I can have my life back because I've had to raise him on my own for 20 years, you know, my life will start. No. Raising Ryan was my life, and I loved being a mom. Don't get me wrong. We didn't have a lot of weirdo issues. I mean, I'm sure he would say we did, but, I mean, we did great for all things considered, and I loved being a mom. I loved it. There was no part of not being a mom that I didn't love. I would have liked to have had more kids. So what are you hanging on to? Remember, this is just a story that you're telling yourself, probably. And where do you have limiting beliefs about? Are you bringing these triggers and these childhood stories forward into thinking you don't deserve love or success or money or happiness? What are you carrying around that needs to be let go of? Okay, now we're going to get into some specifics about that, but I want you to think about this over the next couple days. So today, to recap, we're talking about inclination and identity. Who you are and why you do what you do. It's very important to understand that that actually is another almost whole podcast on its own because that is more about if you're going to change a habit, I'll expand on that next time. You need to understand what your natural tendency is to reacting to something. More today we're talking about why we're getting good habits, how to make a decision that you want to be the person that you want to be and that your life lives up to the values and the, um, and the principles that you set for yourself. But again, if you've never given that any thought, then you need to get out a little piece of paper and go through this series with me taking some notes. And today's chore then for your note taking is, I want you to make a list. Who do you think you are? What and what do you want to be? Maybe they're perfectly aligned and we always talk about them in circles. Are your circles aligned or, or how you think and be the same as who you are and act? A lot of us don't. We look through the world through our lens and lots of times our image and what people think of us is more important than being true to ourselves. So I want you to make a list so that we can actually talk more about inclination versus mindset and and uh, and past garbage that we're bringing forward with us. So we can understand a little better of who you are. Please send me messages if you can and we'll address some of that because there's, there's just a lot there. I could, I'm not even going to go into that right now. So let's stick to this. I want to, I want you to make a list. Things that you think could be triggering you, stories you tell yourself, but I really want you to focus on the positive first, please. Uh, maybe do two, two sides, but I want the positive first. I want you to write down who it is you want to be. Okay. What types of habits do you want in your life that will serve you? Because certain behaviors are just simply not serving you. And COVID-19, I heard a joke the other day, we're coming out a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk, and I'm watching it everywhere around me. It, it's very sad to me how many people have buried their heads and numbed this whole thing away with just trips to the liquor store every three days 
and allowing our governments to do what they're doing and not stepping up and not having an opinion. You do not have to agree, but you need to think. And you cannot think about who you want to be as a person if you are escaping in however that may look to you every day of your life. Okay? So a little bit of hard love there. Sorry about that, but this is where we're going to go. And, uh, you know, we can't get into boundaries and overscheduling and rhetorical stuff and your feedback loops. We can't get into any of that stuff until you can get a little bit of a groundwork of who you want to be. And then you can make a small list on things that you think might be triggering you. So if you make a list on the left, who you want to be, what you stand for, your principles, your values, what you consider a success would be. And then you look at those items and you think, now if those aren't happening in your life, then on the right side, I want you to start thinking of things that are triggering you and what limiting beliefs you could have. And I really want you to dig for this, okay? you got to dig for this a little bit. This is not an easy... This isn't... Personally, I'd rather have some days I think I might rather rant, rant on Facebook um, because I can just, you know, I get all my emotions out and, and it's done. And But you know what? This This is my wheelhouse. This is my toolbox. And this is what we're here for. This podcast is here to inspire you to have high-functioning habits and a very vibrant life overcome limiting beliefs and not live in regret. That is so very, very important to me. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll catch you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at livingwellwithshell and Instagram at www.instagram.com slash livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through shelley at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan.